I want to call your attention tonight to the priority of prayer. And this coming Saturday, we have a prayer breakfast. And I hope you're making plans to be a part of our prayer breakfast. We'll meet at 9 a.m. It'll be a very brief breakfast, and then we'll have uh, three or four prayers, and we'll be dismissed after that. And I guess one of the things that we want to encourage this year, and there are a lot of things that we try to encourage. One is daily Bible reading. Another would be to make this a year of prayer. And I would encourage you to spend time in prayer every day. And there's a lot to be said for prayer, the power of prayer. And tonight I want us to think for a minute or two about the priority of prayer in life. And I want to begin by talking about the privilege of prayer in the life of a believer. Prayer, as you well know, is a tremendous blessing. And I would imagine that in the context of our spiritual blessings, it would be at or near the top. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, Paul talks about how every spiritual blessing known to man is in Christ. And one of those spiritual blessings would obviously be prayer. And you think about the words of Peter in 1 Peter chapter 3, at verse 12, when he said, The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. And so to just step back and contemplate the fact that God has provided us a means of communicating with Him. And what a tremendous privilege that is to know that we have the ear of the Creator of the world, the very one that framed this world, that made us in His image and likeness, to know that He is willing to listen and to listen patiently to our prayers. That's a great blessing. And so I would hope and pray that throughout the coming year we acknowledge our gratefulness to God for His willingness to listen to our prayers. So when we think about the privilege of prayer, first there is obviously the blessing. But then belief in prayer. There have been a lot of God's great servants in days gone by who believed in the privilege of prayer. Let me just cite for you a couple. I think first and foremost about a, a lady by the name of Hannah. And you remember in 1 Samuel chapter 1, Hannah, the Bible says that she was without children. She was barren. And so she prayed earnestly to God for a child. And God granted her the petition that she raised to him. God granted her a son, didn't he? And that son ultimately became one of the great prophets of God, a man by the name of Samuel. And then, of course, our lesson text in Psalm 55. David, David was a man of prayer. And you can read through the Psalms. And notice how often David appealed to God. And when, one of the things that stands out in my mind is you read the Psalms, some of the highs and lows in the life of King David. And David stayed grounded in life. One of the ways, I think, one of the ways that he stayed grounded in life, I believe, was prayer. And so as I mentioned a moment ago, Psalm 55, 17, evening, morning, and noon, will I pray and cry aloud? And he ultimately said that God heard those prayers. And so if you don't have 
a daily time to commune with God in prayer, I would encourage you, find a time. Rope off some time every day and pray to God. And then, what about Paul? Paul spent a lot of time in prayer. Let me just, I was looking this past week at some of the passages of Scripture that make reference to the prayers of Paul on behalf of others. Let me just call attention to a couple of these examples. First, look at Romans, the first chapter. Sometimes I think it's helpful to look at the writings of Paul because you gain insight into his life, and in this case, into his prayer life. Listen, if you would, to Romans chapter 1, verse 9. He said, God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. And then turn over, if you would, to the book of Philippians. In Philippians chapter 1, in verse 2, Paul said, Grace to you, peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy. And then look at the book of Colossians in Colossians chapter 1. In Colossians 1, in verse 3, Paul said, We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Drop down, look at verse 9. For this reason we also, since the day we heard of it, that is their faith in Christ, their faith in God, he said, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And then look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Verse 2, Paul said, We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you all in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God and Father. Interestingly, not only did, did the Apostle Paul pray for others, but he requested members of the body of Christ to pray on his behalf. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 25, Paul would say, Brethren, pray for us. Look back in Colossians chapter 4 for a minute. In verse 2, he said, Continue earnestly, continue steadfastly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Now listen to verse 3. Meanwhile, praying also for us, that God would open to us a door for the word, to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. So Paul requesting the church at Colossae to pray on his behalf that a door of opportunity might open so that he could ultimately share the gospel with those people. And then I guess the final person that I would bring to our attention tonight would be Jesus. Jesus spent a lot of time in prayer to the Heavenly Father. You remember in Mark chapter 1, the Bible tells us that Jesus arose early in the morning on one occasion, went out to a solitary place, and there, the Bible says, he prayed. In Luke chapter 5, verse 16, Luke says that Jesus withdrew, went out into the wilderness, and there prayed. The translators have supplied the word often in that verse. 
And I think if you look at the life of Jesus, you'll see that it was a natural part of his life to pray to God the Father. And then in Luke chapter 6, before selecting the apostles, Jesus spent the night in prayer to God. In John 17, in the shadow of the cross, he prayed for all those who would believe on him through their word that we might be one. That is, that unity would prevail among all believers. And of course, you can't forget when Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane and prayed that God would remove the cup, that impending cup of death that he would ultimately face on our behalf at Calvary. So we think about the privilege of prayer, but then secondly, I want to talk about the purpose of prayer. As I was preparing this lesson, I put down on paper some of the reasons why we ought to pray and why we do pray. The reasons for us praying to God, I have 12 listed, and this is by no means exhausted, exhaustive. But I want to just share with you some of the reasons why I believe we approach the throne of God in prayer on a regular basis. And I have down 12 suggestions for our prayer life. It might be that you want to take one topic a month and focus in on that in your prayer life to God. But nonetheless, let me just share some of these ideas or some of the purposes behind our prayer life. Number one, I would say that we pray to express thankfulness to God. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul said, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. We all have something to be grateful for, don't we? And last month we celebrated Thanksgiving. And I'm grateful for a time every year that we set aside that we can give God thanks for all the great blessings that we enjoy in this great country, in this great land. But really in the life of a believer, thankfulness ought to be a daily exercise. You think about all the great blessings that you have. The fact that we were able to get out of bed this morning, that we have the ability to walk, to talk, to think, to reason, to see, to hear, to taste. I mean, all the great blessings that we have. We ought to be grateful to God every single day. Passage that I alluded to a moment ago, Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, where Paul said, continue steadfastly in prayer. And then he said, watching therein with thanksgiving. So having a heart of gratitude. A second purpose behind our prayer life ought to be that we praise God. I want to invite you sometime to read Psalm 148. In the context of that psalm, the psalmist enjoins the created world to join in praise to Jehovah God. There are so many things that we ought to praise God for on a regular basis. Think about His redemptive plan, our forgiveness, all the great blessings that we enjoy as a child of God. We have reason to praise, don't we? There's a third purpose for prayer. That is peace. Aren't you grateful to live in a free country? To live in a world where, to live in a country where we are in many respects at peace? 
First Timothy chapter 2, Paul said that we ought to pray for kings and all that are in authority. And the reason is, he said, that we might live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. So to pray to God that the freedoms that we enjoy in this country, that we can continue to enjoy them on a regular basis, on a daily basis. I mean, look, there are a lot of countries in our world today that do not enjoy the liberties that we have. And we shouldn't take it lightly. And so to pray that those who are in leadership positions, that they will recognize that there's a God in heaven, that God in heaven has been so good to us, that he has endowed us with freedom, with liberty, that he has granted us the opportunity to live in a country where we have freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of press, and to pray that those great blessings will continue. Another reason for prayer. Decisions in life. To be able to discern, should I do this or should I do something else? I mentioned just a moment ago, Luke chapter 6. Before Jesus selected the apostles, it's interesting to me that he spent the night in prayer to God before identifying those men. Now I think that the Lord obviously knew the caliber of men that he wanted to, to serve in this capacity. And he chose very specific men to serve as his apostles, as his special delegates. They were ambassadors of Christ. There are many decisions that we make on a daily basis in life. And I would, I would encourage all of us, the decisions that we make, whether small, whether great, go to God in prayer. Ask God to bless you in your decision-making processes in life. We all need God's help, and we want His direction. A fifth purpose behind prayer would be to ask God for help. One example that comes to mind in 2 Kings chapter 19. The Bible talks about King Hezekiah who was one of the great kings of his era. Matter of fact, one of the good kings, the better kings. Hezekiah and the children of Israel were being threatened by the Assyrians. Assyria, of course, wanted to come in and do a lot of damage. And so if you read 2 Kings chapter 19, you'll read of King Hezekiah going into the temple and literally laying before him what was happening and asking God to be with him and to be with the children of Israel, to bless them, to protect them. And so are there times in life when we need God's help? Yes, there are. Are there times in life when we need God's direction? Yes. Passage that we quote often, that we read often, Hebrews chapter 5, where the writer said that we are to draw boldly under the throne of grace, that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So when you need help in life, pray to God. Do you remember the psalmist many, many years ago? He said, I'll lift up my eyes to the hills. And then he asked the question, from whence comes my help? 
He said, my help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. So God is there for us. A sixth purpose for prayer would be temptation. After Jesus had prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, he instructed Peter, James, and John to rise. And he said, pray lest you enter into temptation. We're faced with temptation on a regular basis, aren't we? I mean, the devil continues to just come at us from every single side of life. His goal, to circumvent our faith, to destroy us. Can we pray to God that a door of opportunity or maybe a door would open that, that would allow us to flee the temptation that is in our pathway? Let me give you a seventh reason why we ought to pray. That is, we can pray to God as believers for forgiveness. In 1 John, John is writing to New Testament Christians. And John is encouraging Christians who stumble and fall to pray to God. And the assurance is, what will he do? He'll forgive us. Do you remember 1 John chapter 1, verse 9? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In chapter 2, John said, These things are right to you that you sin not. But he said, If any man sins, let him know he has an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So what John's saying is, when we stumble and fall and go before the throne of God, acknowledging our faults, our shortcomings, our sins in life, we have an advocate there. That advocate is Jesus, and he is pleading our case before the bar of heaven. We are exonerated on the basis of his blood. So the assurance is, as long as we continue to walk in the light, the blood of his son Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin, and we maintain fellowship with him and with one another. An eighth reason why we ought to pray, sickness. How many folks have we known over the past 12 months that have been hospitalized, faced some type of illness, diagnosed with disease? Don't you think that we have the right to go before the throne of God and to ask Him to be with us in times of sickness. I mentioned just a moment ago Hezekiah. In 2 Kings chapter 20, the Bible tells us that Hezekiah was sickened to death. Isaiah the prophet had been instructed by God to go to him. And Isaiah had a very solemn message to deliver. He said, you need to set your house in order. And the reason is, he said, because you're going to die and not live. And the Bible says in 2 Kings chapter 20 at verse 2 that immediately Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and he prayed. There are times when the doctor says, look, the prognosis is not good. There's some things I can do to help you. There's some things that maybe I can't do. So what do we do? We pray to God, don't we? And we're grateful for his providence, his kindness, his listening ear. Medicine, we talk about medical science, all the great technologies that are out there that have advanced 
or really blessed the human family? And then what about anxiety? Can't we pray to God when we're worried, when we're anxious? Do you ever worry in life? All of us do, don't we? And yet Paul in Philippians chapter 4 said, In nothing be anxious, but in everything with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. So in times of anxiety, when we're worried, we're stressed to the max, what Paul says is, look, here's what you need to do. Here's the remedy. Here is the antidote for anxiety. Pray. Turn it over to God. A tenth reason why we pray. Wisdom. Do we need wisdom? Yes, we do. And what was it James said? If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and abrades not. Can we not go to the God of heaven and earth and ask him to bless us with wisdom? Knowledge is the Knowledge is, I guess we would say, the accumulation of facts, information, data. Wisdom is knowing how to take the information that we possess and use it to our benefit. You know, there are a lot of people, they have book smarts, but they lack common sense. And so to take the information that we have and then to take the wisdom that God has blessed us with and make wise decisions. Another reason why we pray is guidance. Solomon many years ago in Proverbs chapter 3 said, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not under your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. And then here's what he said. He will direct your, he'll direct your steps. Don't we need God's divine guidance in life? Sure we do. Do you ever get to a point in life and you wonder, okay, which way do I need to go? What road do I need to take in life? Would this be a prudent decision? Would that be the right decision? Can't we go to God and say, look, show me the way. Help me to make the right kind of decision about my future, about where I need to go, what I need to be doing providential goodness and guidance of God. And then a twelfth reason why I believe we ought to pray and why we do pray is for our family. That is, our biological family members. To know that we can take the names of our children, our grandchildren, our siblings, our parents, our grandparents, whomever it may be, before the throne of God and to pray on their behalf. Our families all across this country are suffering. And really, the breakdown in the home is hurting our nation. It's killing our nation. What's the old saying? As the home goes, so goes the nation. Our nation's in trouble because the home's in trouble. What about families today? bowing in prayer to God together, praying for their family unit, praying that they will reflect Christ in their lives, that they will 
do what he would have them to do in life. Wouldn't it be great if every parent, if every mother and father prayed, help me to be a better mother, a better father, help me to be a better instructor to my children, to be a better example, to be a greater influence in their lives? Sure it would. These are just some suggestions. And I would hope and pray that over the course of the next year, that one of the things that we will do is rope off time for prayer in our lives. Look, there are many reasons to pray. And I've just touched the hem of the garment. There are so many reasons why we pray on a regular basis. These are just some suggestions, some guideposts, if you please. Now, very quickly and thirdly, the power of prayer. Do you believe in prayer? Do you believe that prayer actually works? I do. Matter of fact, I have no doubt in my mind that prayer works. James said many, many years ago, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I mentioned just a moment ago Hannah. Hannah wanted a child, didn't she? And the Bible says that Hannah said, For this child I have prayed. And she says, As long as this child is alive, he will be granted to the Lord. God heard her prayer. He responded to that prayer. And she put her child in God's service. Second person, Hezekiah. 2 Kings chapter 19, Hezekiah prays to Almighty God. Let me just call attention to 2 Kings chapter 19 just very quickly. I want you to see something here. In 2 Kings chapter 19, Hezekiah, of course, is threatened by the Assyrians. So he takes the letter that he receives and reads it. And verse 14 says that he went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. Now listen to verse 15. Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherubim, that is, those angelic beings. He said, You are God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see, and hear the words of Sennacherib, that is, the king of Assyria, which he has sent to reproach the living God. If you read chapter 19, Hezekiah makes his case before Almighty God. And here's what the Lord said concerning the king of Assyria. Verse 32, He shall not come into this city, nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with shield, nor build a siege mound against it. By the way he came, by the same shall he return. He shall not come into this city, says the Lord, for I will descend this city to save it for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. Verse 35, pivotal. It came to pass on a certain night that the angel of the Lord, I believe that was the second member of the Godhead, the one that we know as Jesus. The Bible says he went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000. And, and when people arose early in the morning, there were the corpses, all dead. Can you imagine? 
living in a city where there are some 185,000 people that die in a single night? Who protected the people of God? He did. And then since we're in chapter 19, turn over to chapter 20 very quickly. The power of prayer. The Bible says Hezekiah was sickened to death. Isaiah the prophet goes before him, as I said a moment ago. He says, set your house in order. You're going to die and not live. He turned his face toward the wall and prayed to the Lord. And here's what he said. Remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I've walked before you in truth with a loyal heart and have done what was good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Look at verse 5. God said to Isaiah, you go and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, Thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. Does God hear our prayers? Yes, he does. He said, I've heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. And he says, surely I will heal you. He said, on the third day you shall go up to the house of the Lord. Verse 6, and I will add to your days 15 years. Let me tell you what. Prayer works. I believe it. I know it works. I know you believe it. Many years ago, I was either still in college or right out of college. And while I was in school, I was preaching for a little place. Maybe we had 20, 25 people. On a big day, we might have 30. And there was a brother there that had been very, very sick at one time. He had had some severe health issues and he was in ICU one night and he said while in ICU he's in the bed and the doctor comes in the doctor turns to the nurse and he says there's no need to call me Mr. Martin will not make it through the night Brother Martin said I heard that doctor make that statement and he said I began to pray to God to spare my life and that if he would spare my life, I would use my life in his service to the best of my ability all the days of my life. And God heard his prayer. And God answered his prayer. And he lived for a number of years after that. And there are countless other lives all across this world, members of the body of Christ, who have gone before the throne of God and have earnestly prayed on, beha on behalf of others. And God has heard their prayers. Friday night I had the opportunity to attend a birthday party in honor of Tom Gordon, Betty McGee's dad. He turned 80. It was a great night. And Betty's brother got up and he was talking about his dad. And he said, I remember years ago when my sister was sick in the hospital. And it didn't look good. And they didn't think that she would make it. He said, my dad put his face against the window and began to pray to God. And he said, it's my conviction that God heard his prayer and answered it. And then he quoted James chapter 5, verse 16. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man. What does it do? It avails much. Do I understand everything about prayer and how God operates? No, I don't. Do I believe that God answers prayers? Yes, I do. 
Do I believe that God through his providence can use medical technology, medicine, and other things to bring about the healing of the human body? Yes, I do. I'm grateful to serve a God who not only hears our prayers, but answers them according to his will. So I want to encourage you, make prayer a priority in 2018. Let's make it a great year. Let's work together, pray together, study together, worship together, and make this the best year. Make it the greatest year. So if you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, I want to encourage you to come to Christ. If you've never obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ in order to become one of his children, here's what you have to do. There's no other way. First, you've got to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Without faith, it's impossible to be well-pleasing to him, Hebrews chapter 11. Then you need to repent, that is, give up a life of sin, Luke 13, 3. The Bible then says that if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that you would be more than happy to acknowledge that, to confess that he is the Son of God just like the eunuch did, Acts chapter 8, verse 37. And then to be baptized into Christ so all your sins can be washed away, Acts 22, 16. If you'll do that, God will then put you in the church, the body of Christ. If you'll be faithful until death, the promise is the crown of life. Now, it might be that you're here tonight. And you need the prayers of the church. James said that we ought to pray one for another. John said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Could we pray with you and for you tonight? God will abundantly pardon as we stand and sing.